You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. We're actually going to kick off the book of Ephesians today. About 90 to 95% of the time at Revolution Church, we go verse by verse through books of the Bible or large passages of Scripture. We feel like that's the best way to study Scripture together and the best way for you to study Scripture on your own as well. So today we're starting in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And again, let me say this. All of the accolades go to God today. All of the accolades, the way we've built this church is we've stood on God's Word. Amen, Rev Church. In the book of Ephesians, if you'll allow me just to give you some backstory of Ephesians, it's known as one of the prison epistles. An epistle was a letter that Paul or someone would write to a church in the New Testament. Paul wrote this letter when he was under house arrest, and he wrote it to a church in a city called Ephesus, a city that was in Asia Minor in around 61 AD. Now, as we open this letter, you're going to see this is kind of interesting, just a little tidbit for you, that it says that Paul wrote it to the church in Ephesus, but in a whole lot of the early manuscripts, Uh, the actual name of the church and the city it was in was left blank. So what that means is 2,000 years later, we can insert Revolution Church, uh, the church in Crossville, Tennessee, because the the book of Ephesians applies to every single one of us. The major theme of the book of Ephesians can be summed up like this, as one theologian put it. Those that are saved have new life through Jesus. Amen, y'all? And now that we have new life, we live this new life, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this book, as you're going to see as we go verse by verse through this, it can be split, split up into really two sections. Uh, chapters 1 through 3, which are the doctrinal and the theological sections. And today you're going to see like, I don't know, man, I was really praying about today. And I was like, should we do some kind of cool back to the future sermon? And I was like, no, nah, we don't need to do that. We just need to be who we are because today We're going to get into some heavy doctrinal stuff. We're going to talk about predestination today. We're going to talk about eternal security day. So you'll see uh, that it gets pretty heavy in the first three chapters of Ephesians. But I think we've got a bunch of adults in here and y'all can handle it. Y'all are smart. Amen, y'all? Look at your neighbor and say, you're smart. Now look at your second choice. And say, I guess I'll say you're smart too. We got adults in here, man. So we're going to talk about some adult stuff, if that's okay with everybody. We're going to try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf for everybody, but we're going to talk about adult stuff. And I was thinking about, you know you're an adult when you realize one of the worst decisions you could make is to just get gassed in the morning. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You know you're an adult when you tell somebody, hey, I'm up for anything, and then they ask you to do something after 8 p.m., And you totally regret saying that to him. Y'all know what I mean? You know you're an adult when one of your favorite things to do is be with your kids. And one of your favorite things to do is not be with your kids. Amen, y'all? Parents in here know what I'm talking about. So we're going to have some adult conversations today. It's going to be good. Chapters 1 through 3, heavy doctrine. Chapters 4 through 6 are the applicational and really the instructional section of the book of Ephesians that takes the doctrine. And then it says, this is how you apply it to everyday life. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1, go through verse 14 like we always do. We're going to stop along the way 
And we're going to roll with this. Y'all with me? Say, I am. Ephesians chapter 1 starts in verse 1. says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Cross Vegas, Tennessee, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The first two verses are the standard letter greeting or epistle greeting. You'll find this exact same greeting in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Colossians, and 2nd Timothy. If we go word by word through this greeting, you'll see that Paul is writing this specifically to certain people, and he's encouraging them that these words are going to bring something for you. He calls them holy people. It may be translated in your translation, saints. So this letter is written to anyone that is saved and knows Jesus as their Savior. He says these people are faithful. In other words, they have a lifestyle of surrendering everything to Christ. And then he uses this phrase that's very, very important. He tells them that they are in Christ Jesus. This phrase and the equivalent phrases, which are in him, in Christ, in the Lord, in Christ Jesus, occurs 39 times in the book of Ephesians. Today alone, in verses 1 through 14 of chapter 1, we're going to see this phrase used 12 different times. What does that mean? It means God wants us to remember we owe everything to Jesus. Amen, Rev Church. How fitting for the day we move into our facility that we remember we owe every single thing to Jesus. At the end of this greeting, he uses two words, grace and peace. We use it all the time in the church. And really, you're going to see this word grace. We'll talk about it today and define it. But it is spotlighted in the first three chapters. Used a whole lot talking about grace, grace, grace. And then the word peace in chapter 2, when we get to that, we're going to see uh, this doctrine of peace and what does peace look like. Now, before we go to verse 3, understand this. Verse 3 through verse 14 is supposed to form one long sentence. We're going to stop along the way, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to try to keep this short, okay, y'all? So you think I'm going to get done on time? Say amen. Yeah, that wasn't real strong, okay, y'all. I got nine reasons today that we're supposed to praise God in verses 3 through 14. And we're going to try to get through them as quick as we can, but understand that it does form one long sentence. Let's start in verse 3. Y'all with me? Say, I am. Here's the beginning of it. Praise be. To God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I call this run-on sentence the eulogy for the Trinity. And the reason is, is because the Greek word eulogia is used three times in this verse. Now, when you think of a eulogy, you probably think of somebody standing at a funeral saying some nice words about someone that has passed away. But in the Greek, the word eulogy actually means praise, fine speaking, or blessing. And again, in this verse, this is used three different times. So if we rephrase this verse with the word eulogy, listen to how weird it sounds. Eulogy be to God and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has eulogized us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now, as we go through this, the reason I call this the eulogy for the Trinity is because over the next several verses, you're going to see the Trinity mentioned. You're going to see two reasons why we should praise because of what the Father's done. Reasons why we should praise because of what the Son has done. 
two reasons why we should praise because of what the Holy Spirit has done. The first reason we see to praise, though, is actually found in this verse. And it really sets the tone for the rest of this passage. We praise God because He has blessed us hugely. Everybody say hugely. Okay, let's do this. Let's say it like President Trump. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like hugely. Okay, let's say it together. One, two, three. Hugely. My wife was like, what if somebody doesn't like him? I'm like, we're in Crossville. It's all good. Amen, y'all. It's not about who you vote for, but it's all good here. Yeah, like nobody gets their panties in a wad, right? So, Blessed us. Notice the phrase is plural. So this doesn't just apply to pastors. This applies to every single believer is blessed with every, the word every, spiritual blessing. None of the spiritual blessings that we're going to speak of today, the reasons we have to praise God, are withheld from anyone under the sound of my voice. If you're joining us online or you're here today live, if you put your trust in Jesus, you have access to every one of these spiritual blessings. God has blessed us immeasurably. Have you noticed that when people drive Jeeps, they have a bunch of ducks in their Jeep? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The ducks in the Jeep thing? Um, it's really weird. I don't get it. But I do know this about Jeeps. If I could pick any car that I could have, it would probably be a Jeep that's a stick shift, not an automatic, because it doesn't count if it's an automatic. How many of y'all are with me? Say amen. One of those anti-millennial theft devices in your Jeep, right? And so, <laughs> I love the way Jeeps look. But it's not really great just to look at a Jeep. You have to experience driving a Jeep. More specifically, the best way to experience driving a Jeep is to get it off-road and get it a little muddy. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? In a sense, what this verse is saying is, figuratively, Jesus is letting us drive his Jeep and experience the spiritual blessings that he has. Does that make sense to everybody? Say amen. So we're driving a Jeep today, if you're saved in here. And we're experiencing the mud flinging everywhere as a result of what Jesus has done. Have you guys ever heard that saying? And I get the heart behind this saying, and it is true. If God, if the only thing God ever did for me was save me, then that's all he needs to do. Have y'all ever heard that before? Raise your hand. Great saying. I get the heart behind it. But what this passage is setting us up and letting us know is that's not all God has done for you. God has also given you spiritual blessings. You, if you're saved in Christ, are guaranteed what we talk about today. We are blessed in the heavenly realms as it puts us. So it's talking not just about the kinds of blessings, but the location of the blessings. And this is bigger than a car that we could receive from God. This is bigger than money we could receive. This is bigger than God blessing you with some kind of nice vacation. This is spiritual blessings. The way this applies is, listen, stop living at a carnal level. Stop thinking the way the world thinks. Stop acting like an animal and recognize, if you're in here today, maybe this will be the first time you hear this, God has got more for you. God has got more for you. Is everybody with me? Say amen. Let's continue to verse 4 and let's look at 
the reasons we praise God because of the Father. And there's two reasons. Look at verse 4. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined. Whoo, that's a tricky word right there. We'll make all the Arminius mad in here. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Reason number two that we praise God is simply because He chose us. He chose us. There are two different doctrines that the church has fought about for hundreds of years. One is called predestination, which is the idea that God has predestined everything, and He knows whether or not every single one of us is going to get saved. And the other is essentially what we call free will, the idea that every single one of us has free will of whether or not we're going to put our trust in Christ. Well, in these verses, I want you to understand something. This is what we do at Rev Church. We go verse by verse, and we're unapologetic about what the Bible says. Our doctrine is not dictated by a denomination or anything like that. It's just, man, when we land on stuff, we're going to deal with it, and we have to deal with the fact that one reason we praise God is because He chose us. When it says the word chose us, it's referencing the election of believers is really what the doctrine is known as. This phrase, chose us or chosen, is used two different times in our passage today. The word predestined us, that comes from the Greek word parizo, which means this. Here's the definition. To predestine, to foreordain, to determine in advance. And in our passage today, this word is used two different times. Along with that, in the same vein, is the phrase, His will, God's will in other words. And His will, His plan of Him, or is also used, is used four different times just in our passage today. When it comes to the doctrine of predestination, you cannot get around it if you read Scripture. It absolutely is in there. The actual Word is in the Scripture. Just like when you read the Scripture, you can't get around the idea that there are miracles that take place. Just like when you read the Scripture, you can't get around that there are certain spiritual gifts that God gives people. Just like all those doctrines that we fuss and fight about, this is in Scripture. Financial blessing is in Scripture. These things are in Scripture. What this leads to is the natural question, and I don't know how you grew up in church, if you grew up in church. Maybe you were taught a certain way, but here's the question. How do God so- does God's sovereign choice and my free will decision fit together? How does God know everything that's going to happen, and He knows whether or not I'm going to be saved, but He also gives me free will to accept Him or not? The answer to that is so easy. Are y'all ready? Say, I am. I don't know. And neither... Does anybody in here under the sound of my voice, unless you are prideful and arrogant? It is absolutely in the Scripture. Chuck Swindoll puts it this way, God's sovereign choice in predestination and our personal responsibility to believe are two such truths that run perfectly parallel to each other. One theologian described it as two rails that form the same railroad track. You remove either rail and the train runs off the tracks. You have to have predestination if you're reading the Bible. You have to have free will if you're reading the Bible in order for truth to continue. 
the big idea and the reason why we praise God because He chose us is here it is. God chose us with unconditional love. How's it feel to be chosen, Rev Church? Say amen. Well, let's not fight about it. Let's praise God for it. Number three, we praise God because He adopted us. We are adopted into the family of God the moment that we believe. Now, this is very significant, and I'll make a quick point about this because according to Roman law, adopted children at the time of this, that this was written, adopted children enjoyed the exact same rights and privileges as natural children. So the idea is Christ's Abba relationship, his fatherly relationship with God the Father is extended to every single one of us because we're adopted into God's family through grace. Something to praise God about. Amen, Rev Church. Hey, it's going to keep getting good, I'm telling you. Let's continue in verse 7. Y'all with me? Say, I am. Let's look at the reasons we praise God because of what the Son does. It says, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Reason number four we praise God is because He redeemed us through Christ's blood. Amen, Rev Church. This is a celebration today. He redeemed us through Christ's blood. The word redemption here means the act of purchasing from bondage. This word in the New Testament is connected to an Old Testament word that has a couple of different definitions. Listen to these definitions. Same word in the Old Testament. It refers to a ransom paid to set a person free from his obligation of servitude or purchasing from bondage in order to release one from his or her former compulsions. To put it simply, we praise God because He has set us free from the shackles and the power of sin. Jesus said, I came to set the captives, what y'all? Free! Jesus said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. There is nothing like freedom. Amen, Rev Church. I think we're blessed to live in the greatest nation on earth. I don't know if y'all agree with me. If you don't, then you're going to hate this preaching, okay? We live in the United States of America, and I thank God every day. By His grace and His mercy, I get to live here. And I've always known what it's like to live under freedom. I was reading a book called The Immigrant Advantage a few weeks ago, recommended by Dave Ramsey. And the guy's not from here. He's an immigrant, obviously. And he said something that was really powerful. When I moved to the United States, I realized there's nothing like being free. When we put our trust in Christ, we realized there is nothing like being free. Amen, Rev Church. Come on. Number five. Number five. Y'all got to calm down. I'm just kidding. Stay fired up. Y'all know. Number five. We praise God because He has forgiven our sins. He's forgiven our sins. How many sinners we got in the house today? Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. If there's anybody around you that doesn't have their hand raised, tell them to leave right now. Because when you walked in our lobby, 
right above the doorway before you head towards the sanctuary is our tagline that we put on the back of every single one of our uh, radio commercials, all of our t-shirts. What does it say, y'all? No perfect people allowed. We started with this church on that because we recognize every single one of us is a sinner and we need the forgiveness of God. Everybody in here is a sinner. Amen, Rev Church? Everybody look at me and just say, I'm a sinner, Pastor. Now look at your neighbor and say, somebody say, I got witnesses to that. Somebody said, man, I got witnesses to that. I know I'm a sinner. Can't lie about that one. <laughs> look at your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. We do this all the time. Now again, look at your second choice. And say, you're even worse. I saw your Instagram last night. You need to chill. You need Jesus, man. We praise God because he has forgiven our sins. Number six, we praise God because he has, and this is how the Bible puts it, lavished grace on us. The definition of grace, really, you've heard one definition before, but the one I like is unmerited favor or getting something you don't deserve. As we dig into the book of Ephesians, you're going to see that the only thing every single one of us deserve is the wrath of God as a result of our sin. But God has redeemed us. You see how this works? God has forgiven us. And so now he blesses us with his grace with undeserved spiritual blessings. God has given us a new heart. How much better is that than a new car? How much better is that than a new house? How much better is that than a full bank account? How much better is that than anything we could imagine on this earth, these spiritual blessings that he has given us? Number seven, we praise God because he revealed the mystery of Jesus to us. The word mystery here is the word mysterion. That's a weird word. Sounds like Italian for some reason. Everybody say mysterion. Say it like Mario, okay? Just hang with me, okay? I'm trying to make wake y'all up, okay? We got the lights off. I'm trying to make sure y'all are awake. So say Mysterion, okay, like Mario, okay? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? One, two, three. Mysterion. I don't know if that's what Mario sounds like, but that this word means a secret once hidden, but now made known. You remember that time that you recognized the good news of the gospel? You heard it, you read it, the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. And what was once a mystery, you didn't really get this whole Christianity thing. You didn't get this whole Jesus thing. You didn't get why people would sell their lives out to him and give their money to a church and be involved with a bunch of crazy people and all this stuff. All of a sudden, the gospel made sense to you. It made sense. The mystery was revealed to you, in other words. And you knew you needed the Savior, Jesus. Let's continue in verse 11 says this. Y'all with me say I am. Let's close this scripture down. It says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth 
the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The last two reasons are reasons we praise God because of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Reason number eight is we praise God because he marked us permanently as his own. The scripture uses this word, he has set a seal on us. And I'm not even going to try to say the Greek word, but it means to make something secure. This seal was also used, this word was used in biblical times to denote ownership, approval, or closure of a debt. You see the order here. Those of us that know Christ, we hear the gospel, we believe in Jesus, and then we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. This gets into the doctrine of what's known as eternal security. The idea of, now listen, if you don't believe in eternal security, we don't have to have a fist fight in the parking lot. You can still come to Rev Church and we can be brothers and sisters. The idea here is, are you set to go to heaven once you get saved? Is there anything you can do to lose your salvation? According to Ephesians 1 here, you have been sealed. You are owned. There's a great scripture in Isaiah chapter 49 verse 16. And I usually quote it to people when they're arguing with me about whether or not you can get a tattoo or not. Actually, this would be a good verse to get tattooed. So get this one tattooed on your arm, okay? Isaiah 49 16 goes in the same vein. And it it says this. In the Hebrew, it reads like this. God's speaking, okay? And this is what he says. I have tattooed your name on my hand. I've tattooed your name permanently on my hand. Eternally secure. This is for the people in here that have gotten saved 30 times. You leave church today and you go mess up and you feel like God's nowhere. Well, if you've put your trust in Christ really and surrendered everything to Him, number one, we've established you're not going to be perfect. But you are secure in your salvation. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Number nine. Y'all ready for the last one? It's the one that gets me the most fired up. You ready? Say amen. Number nine. The reason we praise God is because he has guaranteed us heaven. He's guaranteed us heaven. Now hang with me. I know it's getting to the end of it. We're in a new place. Figuring a lot of things out. You're looking down at me instead of looking up at me on a platform, right? Okay. But I want you to listen. This word is used, is translated deposit in our translation today. Some other translations use the word pledge. And the Greek word means the first installment with a guarantee that the rest would follow. So when you get saved, you've got the deposit of the Holy Spirit with a guarantee that the rest will follow. What's it talking about with the rest following? It's talking about the inheritance that every single believer has waiting on them because we're adopted into God's family of heaven. Everybody say heaven. I'm talking heaven. This is old school preaching right here. This is streets of gold heaven. This is no more sad tears heaven. This is no more sorrow heaven. This is former things have passed away. This is you're given a perfect 
glorious body. This is your mind is made perfect and you have the mind of Christ. Your salvation is completed through glorification. You heard me a few weeks ago talk about all the different phrases that people use when somebody goes to heaven. One of the old school ones I said, this is when you join the church triumphant. This is when his adopted children receive their inheritance. Amen, Rev Church. Listen. There's a famous old story about a rabbi in Israel. And we need to be praying for Israel. Amen. And uh, they would give tours of the place where he lived. And he would allow the tourists to come into his home and tour his home. Well, this particular rabbi had no furniture, no TV, no nothing in his house. One tourist came through one day and said, why don't you have anything in your house? You don't have any furniture. You don't have anything. And the rabbi looked at this tourist and said, well, where's your furniture at? Why didn't you bring it with you? And he looked at him perplexed and said, what are you talking about? Bring my furniture with me. I'm just a visitor that's passing through. The rabbi looked at him and said, so am I. That's us, y'all. That's us. We're passing through. Hey, listen. You know, we've been using this phrase for the last four or five months about how the old Rocky Top 10 Theater is our new home. And I get it. I'm not hating on that. It's, but really, when you think about it, it's our new temporary home. Because we ain't going home until we get to heaven. Amen, Rev Church? This thing ain't going to solve all our problems. But when we receive our inheritance, it will. C.S. Lewis once said this, If I find myself in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That's us. That's us. The encouragement is if you've got pain, that pain's going to be over one day. You've got hurt, that hurt's going to be over one day. If you've got problems and you receive your inheritance, those problems are going away. you got issues in here, Stuff you can't get over. One day, when you receive your inheritance, all that's going to go away. Amen, Rev Church. If you're new to Rev Church, what we like to do in these sermons is we like to give you something to take home. If you didn't get to take notes with one of the points that we made, what we like to do at the end is just give you guys a chart or a list. And so we would encourage you, uh, take a picture of this. If you missed one of the notes, uh, here is our list for today. The reasons we have to praise God. Now, now listen, y'all. We got reasons to praise God because we're in a new facility. Amen, y'all? You guys gave. We sacrificed. This is 10 years in the making of grit and, and toughing it out. And man, we're praising God. But really, when you think about it, this new facility we have, it's just the icing on the cake. It's the sprinkle on the donut. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's the sprinkle on the donut that... Really, like it makes it taste better and look better for some reason. And yes, it is a blessing that God has given us. But man, we've got things to praise God for that are even greater than this facility He has given us. Amen. Let's read through it while we praise God. Read it with me, Rev Church. He blessed us hugely. No, you didn't say it like Trump, okay? Like President Trump, okay? He blessed us hugely. He chose us. He adopted us. He redeemed us. He forgave us. He lavished grace on us. He revealed the mystery of Jesus to us. He marked us permanently as his own. And he guarantees us heaven. Amen. Woo, baby. Let's pray. Lord.
We love you. We thank you for today. I'm getting done seven minutes early, so everybody better say amen. Thank you for the sprinkle on the donut you've blessed our church with. Thank you for every single person that sacrificed so that this could happen. It's unbelievable what you've done and that I'm standing here right now proclaiming the good news. It's all God. We thank you so much for that. And it's a day of celebration and it's a day of honoring that. Most of all, God, we thank you for the spiritual blessings you have given us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that makes all this possible. I pray as we move forward as a church that we would do everything we can to make Jesus famous in Cumberland County, Tennessee, and in the state of Tennessee. Use us, God. Use this facility to reach more people than we ever thought possible. We pray that people know Jesus. We pray that they find freedom in their lives and can live a life full of purpose, making a difference in this world. You are awesome. You are mighty. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.